0: everybody. Welcome to the NC Real Estate Podcast. I am so excited that you've taken the time to come and join me today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Natasha Collins, and I am the founder of NC Real Estate, which includes its awesome members club, a place for landlords and property investors to go to really build property portfolios that completely align with their goals. I'm all about strategy, finding the thing that completely works for you and working on that consistently until you build a profitable property portfolio that really is exactly what you want and it hits your financial goals time after time. If you want to find out more about what I do, come and join me in the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group. That is our free community. There's over 2,500 people in there, landlords and investors having such great conversations with one another. So if that's a place for you, Just go to Facebook and type in property investment mastery. I'll also put the link below. And if you want to come over to our website where I post fabulous blogs, then head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk. It's got everything that you need. Wow. So it's been a busy couple of weeks. Um, I've had a couple of really great guests. If you haven't listened to my podcast over the last couple of weeks, please make sure that you go back and do that. Um, The first one was with my sister, Amy, where we were discussing about how she became a first-time buyer at the age of 22. Her and her partner bought a property and what they've done since then to keep Buying that property that really works for them. And then last week, I spoke to Alan about the new buy to let surveys that he's producing. And that was so exciting. It's something that I really get behind. I no longer want to see rogue managing agents or rogue letting agents um, collecting money for things that actually don't need to be paid for. You need someone who is a professional who's going to go into your properties and do the right thing for you. So I was so excited by that conversation. It's a long conversation, but definitely one that we needed to have. So if you haven't listened to those yet, after you've listened to today's podcast, make sure that you go back over there um, and have a listen to exactly what is going on because I think you will really enjoy it. So this week, what have I been up to? Well, I have just found and moved into our new flat in New York, which is incredibly exciting. We've just started putting in furniture. The master bedroom is done. I'm gonna put some pictures of that on uh, Instagram. Um, if you don't have my Instagram handle, it's at ncreal underscore estate. Um, and we've got a few other bits to get done. We have to do the living room. We've only got a small futon and we've got the second bedroom that we need to dress as well. Um, but we have this most magnificent outside area which is so unbelievably gorgeous it completely blows my mind you can just see it over Manhattan so at the moment as I'm looking out my window I can see the Freedom Tower I can also see the Empire State Building I can see all of Manhattan in the background uh, unfortunately it's a rainy day otherwise I probably would be recording this out on the terrace but it's fantastic we hit all of our goals we're right next to Prospect Park uh, actually one of the only places in New York where I can let the dog off the lead, uh, which is crazy. I found that actually having a dog over here is one of the most difficult things. When we were living in Manhattan for the first four weeks, oh my gosh, I'd have to walk miles to get her to a dog park, which was literally the size of my mum's garden back in the UK. And that would be the only space where I could let her off the lead. So she was getting really miserable actually. So now we're out here, we've got plenty of space. The building that we're in also has a dog park on the ground floor that's really enclosed. There's um on the roof, the roof of this building is just a massive communal roof terrace for all residents. There's an allotment up there as well. So if you want to take that on, you can grow your own fruit and your own vegetables. Um, On our floor, we're on the seventh floor, there is a communal working area, which is gorgeous. You've got an outside communal working area, you've got an inside communal working area. and So that is beautiful. And on our floor, you've also got a shared cinema room, where if you want to throw a party, you can have loads of your guests over, um, and you can... Go in there. There's a kitchen that goes with it. There's loads of seating that's also got an outside roof terrace as well, so you can book that out, or you can just go in there and join the other residents in the building. On the ground floor, there is a fully functional gym, it's got everything you need in there, and there's also a yoga studio. Like this building is so kitted out, it is making me. It's giving me ideas for what I want to do back in the UK. For all of you that know this, I am now going to be coming backwards and forwards between New York and London. Chris will live in New York, he loves it here. I have business in London and the UK so that is really where I am. Um, It's nice to be over here um, but as soon as we're all sorted out over here I'm heading back to the UK um, because we're selling our flat at the moment. It's looking so gorgeous. So if you didn't know we are putting our Putney flat on the market because quite frankly if we were going to let it out the yields just weren't going to stack up it was a lovely home it's prime position it's right next to East Putney train station um but the service charge is quite high on it and also it's just an expensive flat for being a one bedroom we wouldn't get much rent out of it it's not worth us keeping so what we're doing at the moment is we've had it done up um, and actually uh, all of the paint job uh, has been finished. We've had it all made to look absolutely beautiful. The interior designers are in at the moment. Um, and then by the time this podcast comes out, it should be on the market, which is fantastic. So when I come back, I'm hoping that we've, uh, we've kind of made this massive thing out of it. We're going to really release it to the market and make everybody quite excited that the fact that This property is coming into the market, it looks fully furnished. If the person who purchases it wants to purchase the furniture as well, they can. They can absolutely be our guests with that. We would love them to have it. We've got an interior designer who would happily sell it to them if that's what they want. But if not, she'll just take it out and there's no harm done. But I really wanted to make it look like a show home. I feel like at the moment in London, we're very much at the top of the market. Um, And I don't know how much demand there would be for first time buyers at this kind of a level, even Chris and i we bought when we bought this flat um over four years ago, we kind of were thinking mm, how long how much use are we going to get out of this for the next couple of years? We were not in any rush to start a family um but we also knew it was quite small, but it was affordable for us. I don't know if you've um Listen to my previous podcast, but I've always said that I would never take out a mortgage that cost us more than a thousand pounds a month because Chris and I have a lifestyle that we like to enjoy. And yes, we've both got businesses, we've both got jobs, we've both got income coming in from our assets. He's very much a stocks and shares man. I'm a property girl. We have our completely different assets. Um, but we always said to ourselves, you know what, we don't need to, you know, we don't, we, we don't need to be spending huge amounts on a mortgage. Um, so we deliberately made that decision to have a smaller flat, but that was really central so we could get to where we needed to be. But now since the prices have gone up, the price of that flat has probably gone up by about 125,000 pounds since we bought it. We're thinking to ourselves, who is the target audience? And so we thought actually maybe if we look, make it look like hotel beautiful. So somewhere that you could just come and crash and, and feel like actually, yeah, I love living here. It's so luxurious that we would get the end of the market who was just having it for kind of whenever they were in London. Of course, first time buyers, fantastic. Come and get it. Um there is still uh, first time buyers and help to buy would happily help first time buyers in that building as well. Um, but we did want to make it look as nice as possible. I wouldn't put a property on the market to sell that wasn't in tip-top condition and looking just utterly amazing. So we're having that done at the moment. That's being overseen by my uh, property management business partner Paula she's doing all of that at the moment and I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to get her onto the podcast and she can discuss exactly what she's done so that you all all know and I'm hoping that the photos will come out as well um, with that So it's all really exciting. So we're hoping to get that sold fairly quickly because of the buzz around it. It's going to be looking gorgeous. And then, um, as I've said before, I'm going to come back to London. We're going to buy another place um, in and around London, probably more closer to Heathrow. So it's easier for um, when I'm coming backwards and forwards. That would be the dream. And then we're going to buy another investment property as well. So loads going on. I've also got developments going on in London at the moment, which I need to check on. We've got development going on in Earl's Court right now. Um, So lots to be doing. um, And that's really, really exciting. So that being said, that's been what I've been up to. Let's have a look at what's going on this week. So the first topic of conversation that I wanted to discuss with you is something that I'm being asked from all angles. And actually, I was asked to discuss this uh, by the press, and I've kind of stayed away from it purely because I think it is madness. So we're talking about rents and how rents are becoming completely unaffordable. And apparently the reason is because landlords keep putting the rent up and up and up and up and slowly rents are skyrocketing, which means that uh, people who can barely afford their rents are never ever going to be able to afford to get on the housing ladder because they're never going to be able to save. Which then led to somebody asking me whether they thought that market rent was actually a good way of valuing rent or whether actually it should be below market value rent which seems crazy to me. I don't know how you would implement this. The only thing that I could think of that you would be able to do this is if you just set a rent. You were just like, look, I will give this property to whichever tenant comes in first and tells me they can pay the flat rent of a thousand pounds per month, regardless of actually where rental values are. I know that the government are very much looking at how they can implement schemes like this. But if you ask me, I think that if you were to put advertise your rent on your property as below market rent, if that's something you want to be saying is a term now. Um, so for example, if the market is showing that rent is a thousand pounds per calendar month, and actually you put it on the market for 750 pounds per calendar month, chances are you would get a huge influx of tenants through the door, which would turn into a bidding war with tenants trying to get a deal on it. And that would just push the market rent back up because as a landlord, there is the business element to it. Yes, we can do so much to give our tenants safe, comfortable homes and you would never ever want to overcharge your tenants. But at the same time, with taxes increasing, with the cost of running a home, with legislation going up, There is so, there is only so much of a discount you can give on your rent. And actually you would then start looking at it and thinking, do you know what? If someone is prepared to pay me the market rent for this property, you probably would take it. So unless there is going to be these schemes where you are going to get as a landlord some sort of tax relief, or maybe you're going to get some some sort of grant for keeping, rents low and below market rent, um, fantastic. I think a lot of landlords would take the government up on that, but doing it out of their own will, I just don't think it will work. And the other thing is it's not going to work with your mortgage lender. Can you imagine going to your mortgage lender and saying, yeah, I know you did a um, test, a rent test on this to, so that we knew that we would be getting X amount of rent in a month so I can adequately cover my mortgage. And then you went back to your lender because some lenders are now saying, show me the AST that you put in place, show me the tenancy agreement. So you went back to your lender with the tenancy agreement and the rent was a lot lower than uh, than you'd worked out when you were calculating whether the mortgage would work or not. They are going to be shocked and worried and you do not ever want your mortgage lender to be worried. Um and so I think that there is a lot going on at the moment where yes, there should be help, but should we be reducing our mark- our rents uh, accordingly? Well, I always suggest that whenever you're putting your property on the market 10% below where other properties are on the market for is usually a good starting place because you know that you are definitely going to get interest. But the other thing that's always going to get you interest is the fact that you do your property up in a really, really nice way. Why wouldn't you put a property on the market that looked gorgeous? because that's gonna attract loads of interest. It's gonna get really great photos. If it's light, bright, airy, of course you're gonna get some really good photos from that. And when you put it on the market, people are gonna go, wow. And then if you've got that slight reduction in rent, you're going to start getting people through the door. You don't want to discount that anymore than, um, you know, so you're making a loss at the end of the month. Definitely don't be doing that but you want to make it so that it's desirable that's that's the, the long and short of it where there is um that's part of your marketing te- technique you have your project you market it well you're going to get clients as in your tenants who are going to want to be in there i don't know how as landlords we can solve the housing crisis This has been another question. How can a landlord help solve the housing crisis? Well, the very first thing, of course, as I've just suggested, is that we put um, good quality properties on the market. Well, that's obviously number one. You always want your tenants to be in the property and safe, comfortable, fine, done. So that's solving the issue of there not being as many nice houses out there. So that's something we can do, fantastic. Can we lower the rent? Well, of course we can, but we're not going to be lowering the rent if um, it doesn't cover our mortgage maintenance service charge. How can we? If it doesn't cover the cost of legislation as well, how can we? Because we have to pay for that. Nobody is earning enough out of this to be able to think, you know what, I'll just dig that into my, my hands, into my back pocket and I will just pay for that. The reason we'd have to charge rent, which is in excess of a mortgage, is because we have to make sure that we can cover the maintenance bills. We can cover the cost of adhering to health and safety legislation. We can cover the cost of service charge, which a tenant would have to pay if they own their own home anyway. So from that respect, there is only so far you can go with lowering your rent. Of course, if you're mortgage-free, fantastic. Go ahead, charge whatever you want to be charging that's your decision but as a a whole there can't be uh, regulation around it that says you must charge 20 to 35% less than current market rent because what is market rent anyway? Market rent is just what um, a tenant is willing to pay in current market situations and where there's not as many rental properties on the market there's always going to be that bidding war so that tenants actually get the accommodation that they want. Then you could also have a look at Um, And there's been, obviously, there's a lot of uh, thought going around, well, how do we stop landlords from buying up housing stock, which first time buyers might want. And so they put on that extra 3% stamp duty. Um, They're making tax far harder and far stricter than it ever has been to kind of take people out of the market who they don't think should be in it. So I can see that they're doing that as well. But to a certain extent, I don't think that landlords buy up the first time buyer properties because it actually doesn't work very well from a rental point of view. Landlords don't particularly want those one bedroom small properties or those two ups, two downs because the yields don't work that great on them. And usually these are newer builds. There's always far more money to be made from uh, secondhand properties than there is for the new properties. So I don't think that that changes much either. So it has left me thinking, well, what can we do? I agree that there needs to be help for people to get on the housing ladder if that's what they want to do, but should we also be looking at the difference between wages and house prices? Should we be looking at how easy it is to get a mortgage? In the US, I've seen that the Neighbourhood Assistance Corporation of America, or NACA, has just launched a zero down payment subprime mortgage, which is really interesting. This is for borrowers who have low credit scores. um, So that's why it's a subprime mortgage. These are people who mortgage lenders might not necessarily want to have a look at. Um, but they are being offered zero down payments so no deposit mortgages to purchase homes for themselves so this isn't for investment purposes this is purely homes for themselves that they are going to live in there is a catch they have to go through an education session about the program and submit all necessary documents from income statements to phone bills They must also go through counselling to understand their monthly budget and ensure they can afford the mortgage payments. So it's not enough to just be like, here's all my bank statements. They must have that financial education which teaches them exactly how to budget and so that their mortgage payments are paid off every single week or, or every single month. The loans are for 15 or 30 years and they are fixed interest rates of around 4.5%. So they are higher than what we're seeing in the UK at the moment, but it's definitely a start and thousands of people are lining up for this because if you think about people who may be in disaster areas, such as where the hurricanes have just swept through, they may not have been able to get any insurance and so being able to get zero down payment mortgages is really, really handy for them. Obviously, banks are getting involved with this. Bank of America is um, really supporting this. um, And there's a lot of demand for it. Of course, there's always that risk from what happened in the housing crash before when um, housing market drops and anybody with a zero-down mortgage who actually has no skin in the game whatsoever would just think, fine, give it back to the bank, it didn't cost me anything anyway you take it back, you sell it, you deal with it Um, And there's always that risk that happens again. But what this scheme is trying to do is it's trying to build communities. It's trying to give people that option to be able to buy their properties. And the interest rates are higher because of course it's riskier. But the idea is that educating the people who are taking out these mortgages and keeping a real close eye on them throughout the term of the mortgage means that actually they are sensible enough to know how to do, or how to budget their money, they know that it's important that they pay off their mortgage is kind of a number one concern, Um, but it also makes them feel more supported from their banks. And so actually for this scheme, around about 90% of applicants are being approved for it. And I wonder if this is a sort of scheme that we could start to see in the UK. Yes, we have helped to buy. But help to buy comes with so many different catches and I I find that sometimes can mean that first-time buyers will never ever get out of their help to buy schemes, which is actually crazy. Perhaps there could be some sort of collaboration between the Ministry for Housing and mortgage lenders where they offer this type of product Again, they would need to discuss how it looks, but if they are going to be offering a higher interest rate because of the associated risk, if they are going to be offering this education, if they're going to be offering support, then I can only see that that's a good thing. And that really might help first-time buyers to get on the property ladder, especially if they don't have anything to pay. Um, If there's no deposit, if there's no stamp duty, because most first-time buyers at the moment don't have to pay any stamp duty at all, and all they've got to pay is their legal and surveying fees, then there isn't really that much of a problem. I don't think 1,500 to 2,000 pounds takes you that long to save if you're really determined to do it. But I guess this then brings up the next point, which although you might want to um, buy that house, there might be that, Uh, that 100% mortgage available still doesn't necessarily mean you can afford to live where you want to if your wages don't add up. And that is one of the biggest things that is problematic at the moment. If you're not getting paid enough to buy a house, you can't buy a house. It is as simple as that. No matter what you say to landlords, no matter what you say to investors, no matter what you say to other players in the market, if the wages aren't right, then you're not going to be able to buy a house. And I am not uh, an expert in wages, but what I do know is that there needs to be a bigger push on affordable education to make sure that people can um, get into the jobs where they need to have that um, higher education standard. There needs to be a bigger push on also openness about how much you get paid within your careers and There should be career advice available for all, so that if you think, actually, you know what, I want to buy that house that's worth 200,000 pounds, but I need to be earning 35,000 pounds per annum, how do I get a job that does that? And that's what the education is needed. I think that will be a real big thing for the housing crisis. Of course, those of us who are already on the housing ladder, we've had to go through our own education and we work hard for the money. I find it really, really frustrating when people say to me, but Natasha, it was easy for you. You've got X, Y, and Z. It's never been easy but I just figure out a way of doing it. And I'm sure for everybody else who's managed to buy these properties, they've done the same. There is no point blaming things on baby boomers or the generation before us who apparently seem to be buying property at cheaper prices. There is always a way because there is a market for these things. The market wouldn't be where it is if there wasn't demand for properties at those prices. And that is the thing that we need to think about. So how can we get the education in order to allow us to be able to plan going forward for how we're going to buy the properties that we want, and I think that that is going to be what solves the housing crisis. Because you can blame as many people as you like, but ultimately, if you don't take the action, you aren't going to be able to buy that property. So those are those are my thoughts around it, and it's it, that's all come from being asked. Do I think that we should be offering below market rents? Well. I mean, it could be a good idea if you do set it uh, at a flat rate, um, but the government's going to have to help at some point. Or the government, if they think that that's possible, go and buy more houses and offer that sort of um, really good uh, standard accommodation at those rents. And If you can do it, fantastic. You lead the way and we will follow you. Um, But it obviously, obviously has to be affordable for everybody. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and it's really the start of a conversation. I would love to hear from you now. What do you think about this? Have you got any ideas for how you think the housing crisis could be solved? Um, And whether you actually think that landlords are anything to do with it whatsoever? Or do you actually think that property investors are simply just you know, we're allowed to buy property, it's fine, I'm on that side of the fence, but I want to hear what you think. So come on over to the Property Investment Mastery Facebook group and have that conversation with me. If you want to come and find out any more about what I do, then head on over to www.ncrealestate.co.uk and once you're over there, remember to subscribe to our blogs because That is the way that you get all of the best information from throughout the industry. And if you've loved this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thank you so much for listening with me this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.